Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Are you in fashion? fashion? Did you see what she's wearing for Tom's shoes? I'm Sonia Sly. My heels are killing me. Um, but I was told I have a backstage pass. You will need to get the right pass to get behind me, Pam. Look, I'm I need sorry. to go. Code red, code red, code. We have a situation. I'm taking you inside the fashion industry to discuss trends, the reality behind the glamour, and the highs and lows of a fast-paced industry that never stops. Today. New Zealand's landscape is a multicultural one, and the design landscape is slowly beginning to take on an exciting shape as new voices emerge. Now, as you heard in a previous episode with street-style photographer Dan Roberts, different countries have a different aesthetic when it comes to getting dressed, that is. Here in New Zealand, that's also beginning to shift with globalisation and multiculturalism. Now, I've always been a firm believer that clothing is a way to visually communicate with the world around us. I'm New Zealand-born Chinese, and growing up, identity was always something I was searching for. That sense of asking, who am I? Where do I belong? And that was always expressed through what I wore. It's a means of finding freedom and self-expression. Clothing and fashion allows us to become who we want to be, or even draw us closer to ourselves. I meet up with a handful of designers who have investigated their identity and share their view on how they've applied it to their craft and where they sit in the context of the industry. I really like Maki O. After I saw her stuff, like a light bulb went off in my head. AAKS is the most beautiful, like handcrafted bags. There's Eden. So Eden's actually, it's a group of American designers. They actually work with African um, artisans. They've been able to create, like, the last few seasons have been so amazing. They really put a spotlight on, like, the variety of, like, artisanal work you can get in luxury pieces that you can get. Zimbabwe-born Chido de Miro is talking about African designers. She came to New Zealand about 15 years ago and has recently graduated from Massey's fashion design course. Presenting her work this year as part of the African Fashion Festival held in Wellington, it's a platform for high-end and emerging African designers with a focus on luxury. With the power of the internet, like, so many barriers have been like broken down like so many people have been acknowledged here for the amazing work that they do which is really great to see African fashion I think in the last few years there really has been quite a bit of a spotlight on it which has been really cool and with all like the different designers coming outside of African also people in the same situation as myself African born but have lived somewhere else we've been able to create a different idea of what African fashion is because for so long people would put it in a box it's really colorful prints and like head wraps and stuff but there's so many brilliant designers i was curious as to whether cheeto has come across any barriers in the industry so far but surprisingly she says no 
part of her creative process has been about finding her authentic voice, and that in itself has presented a challenge, navigating her way through and away from any kind of cultural clichés. It wasn't really till my last year that I really started to tap into that, and I found that like ended up helping me become so much more creative and kind of produce my own style. Right. Whereas during fashion school, when you're together with the same people for such a long time, you tend to like bounce ideas off each other, you know. And after a while, you don't want to look too similar to everyone else. Mm. And so, would you thought say that you kind of had to go get to that point of doing the cliche thing and then moving through it yeah. to get to where you go? Okay, well, it's actually there's more freedom within it. Yeah, because with the power of like the internet and globalization, you could get so much of your work out without even selling a few pieces in New Zealand but in terms of barriers actually it's been a little bit difficult not having access to the types of fabrics I would have liked to use because a lot of things that you find in every just due to infrastructure and costs it's not so easy to get over here but it does mean I have to be more creative and find ways that I can create like the fabrics and prints that I want. Pieces from Cheeto's collection can be found on acollective.nz. She runs under the label Cheeto. Her silhouettes are clean and modern, and I'm drawn to a simple V-neck top with shoulder ties paired with loose matching pants. They're in a black, leaf-like print, and if you look closer, there are small beads beautifully interspersed within it. It's Cheeto's love of print that subtly hints at her heritage. I think for like a lot, like a long time, people wouldn't necessarily associate like African fashion with luxury pieces, but they really are starting to see that. One thing I really do enjoy is being like a part of like the changing face of African fashion, and it's even better than it's that it's in New Zealand because it's a good incubator for ideas and creative people. For the moment, I'm very torn. I feel very um, conflicted about being in the industry in general just because of the um, environmental issues surrounding the fashion industry and sustainability and things like that. There's so many brands out there and so many designers and... But I think if you're creating things, you definitely need a market there that's going to want it and going to keep it for a long time because there's no point in creating something that's trendy or throwaway fashion because there's so much of that already and so I'm kind of just trying to find what fits with my ethics before I can put myself out there I think yeah. Up in Auckland I meet up with Yoshino Maruyama who incidentally lives in Wellington. She's currently working for sustainable label Koto but showed her collection at New Zealand Fashion Week. She's honest grounded and articulate about the reality of the industry and where she feels she fits within it. But I was immediately drawn to her work because it hinted so clearly to me of an Asian aesthetic before I even knew she was Japanese. Yoshino was born and raised in Christchurch. She's never lived in Japan, so her connection with that side of her identity is kind of distant, or at least indirect. I don't really want to like other myself and be like, oh yeah, I'm this Japanese designer, but I think that is part of who I am, even if it's subtle, I think would just naturally come out in my designs and in my work. When I decided to explore this whole um, kimono 
and fashion thing, you'd kind of Google it and there'd be all these Western designers from like Jean-Paul Gaultier to like just everyone has at least taken Japan or something um, or like the geisha or something as an um, inspiration at least once. And so I kind of looked at everything and thought that that wasn't my perspective on my culture. It was kind of like a very Western gaze. And so I kind of wanted to do not an insider's perspective, but just to have a more like have a different take on yeah on the kimono and on Japanese influences I guess because New Zealand is like western as well we see a lot of Asia through the western gaze and so I think it can be confusing for people like me or like you to see our culture through a western lens and so I think it can be confusing for people like us growing up in New Zealand because or growing up in America or Europe being of Asian descent, you see Asia portrayed through a Western lens and then the real Asia, and you're like, what are the differences here and why are there such differences? Yeah. yeah. Getting a foothold in the fashion industry is in part about having a unique aesthetic. That's important, but it's also about letting the garments speak for themselves. And her aesthetic? I feel like it looks very minimalistic and clean from the outside, but there's kind of a lot of like depth in the concept. My collection was based around the kimono as a garment. I guess that ties strongly with a Japanese aesthetic because I guess that's like the national dress of Japan, yeah. I've worn it ever since I was really young, so there's like um, on your third and your seventh birthday you get to wear one because the kimono is not... uh, um, not like an everyday sort of wear anymore in Japan, more of, it's more like a celebration dress. So my grandma is very into her kimono. <laughs> so, um, she's like kept a lot of them from my mum when she was younger and from herself when she was younger. And so they kind of get passed down. And I feel wow. like that's really special for me because I grew up, grew up so far away from that culture that it's kind of my little taste of. <laughs> so is this you connecting to that side of your culture? Yeah, I think so. It's definitely me trying to figure out more of, how I feel between being a Kiwi and being Japanese. I think it's it's super important for me. I think it's a really good platform to be able to like explore it because I guess people do like family trees and things, but this is kind of a more fun way to like go deep into the history of like where my ancestors come from and then like dress is something that I'm like obviously really interested in. So like, being able to tie those things together is really yeah, interesting for me. All of my friends, and especially on my Māori side and my fun, you know, they they know me very well as just sort of like the half-caste. And it was really funny going into rural Rotokauri uh, primary school. My nana was like, oh, you know, he's probably going to be the only half-caste there. He's like, he's going to, you know, what, what, what are they going to do with him? But I was of that generation where, like, so much, like, Māori and Pākehā were already integrated and it was just part of us and menswear designer Jacob Kuti is in his honours year at Massey University and this year won Miramoda's Emerging Designer Award at New Zealand Fashion Week where he had a chance to send his collection down the runway. He has strong views about what fashion is and why he can't walk away from his cultural roots. Style itself I think is correlated with identity so much. There's a lot of expression that happens with design and whether it's conscious or not 
I think it's important. Like, I mean, because people, we express ourselves yeah. through what we choose to mm. wear for a start. I, I mean, there are a number of people, you know, who maybe not be interested in the realms of fashion, and it shows, I guess, what they wear. That it's just, you know, I'm a bit more carefree in my style. But people who do kind of develop sort of a sense of their own style and aesthetic, yeah, it definitely kind of curates who they are, shows who they are. So for you as a designer, when did you feel like the sense of yourself uh, had started to inform your design? When I, when I really first started liking fashion Which was, was probably like at 12 or 13 years old and I just wanted to look like a, like a grown-up. I just wanted to look like a flash man. Like I came from a mufti school where everyone kind of just... You know, just chucked on hoodies and sweatpants. So I try to like flashen myself up a little bit. As you get into the sort of more depths of like fashion and design, especially going into uni, you start to play with more silhouette, with more tones, with uh, texture. In his collection tour, there's a juxtaposition of masculine and feminine, deconstructed tailoring, draping, and oversized silhouettes. Jacob interned with designer Layla Jacobs, and I can see a line of influence, but he also loves the work of Belgium-based Andermule Meester. Exploring his Māori heritage has been pivotal in this collection. Since 2014, Jacob has been visiting the Māori collections down at Te Papa as part of his research, which specifically addresses... Uh, tikanga Māori point of view. The values of that, it, traditionalism, just the kaupapa between where you've come from and where you are now. I guess it's like parts of Māori philosophy and ideology, seeing like Māori in my family and in real life in New Zealand and Aotearoa in general, just saying like, you know, there's, there's the construction worker, but there's also the police officer, which my uncle is like, you know, so it's, you, you have Māori in all walks of life and that was kind of what I wanted to integrate as well as the, the philosophy and the tikanga Māori behind it. So it sort of sounds really complicated. There's so many layers. There's so, <laughs> there's so many layers of, like, cons- concepts to this. And also, yeah, I definitely have kind of departed from sort of the very Western, like, look. Like, I'm not doing very, like, obvious sports where I'm not doing very obvious tailoring. It's like this weird mix of streetwear and kind of, like, uh, nomadic style it's yeah so it really I think it represents the sort of like um, tradition as I said yeah the tradition and almost sort of like the historical culture I definitely didn't want to just like tokenize it and some people agree some people don't but like I definitely think that chucking a kuru on you know, a t-shirt, a box like a t-shirt and be like, boom, it's suddenly mouldy design. No, it's not. Like, How do you feel about that? I, uh, I'm, I'm not against it. If it's part of what you're actually trying to betray, if that's like, you know, your logo and it has a, a lot of kind of history to it, then yeah, of course, because it's a very spiritual um, logo. But Or if the tourists are going to buy it yeah. and go with this with something mouldy yeah, in New Zealand. Māori. Does that make you cringe? That makes me cringe so hard. Like, it's being tokenised, commercialised so much and then you actually have, you know, uh, multi artists, uh, fashion designers who make all these really kind of more interesting work um, out of even even like tartan and um, other sort of flax styles of, you know, textile design and they're kind of just like, oh, yeah, no, we don't really... I mean, we'll look at it but we won't embrace it, you know. Um, but for me... I think I wanted to put the thought process more, the design process more into it. 
since Jacob's been investigating his identity through his work, I ask him if it's something he wants to continue as part of his vision. Well, I think now, like, it's sort of like once you ride a bike, you'll remember how to ride it, even if you haven't ridden it in about 10 years. I have kind of like this moral obligation being the eldest of the mukupuna, which is like, um, of all of our grandchildren on my Māori side as, as well as my English side, and um, also, yeah, having that bicultural element to my identity, like, I do feel morally obliged to express that part of my heritage, and it's... Do it justice. Yeah, to do it justice. And even if, like, you're not even, like, part Māori or bicultural Māori, there's, there's nothing wrong with, like, recognising the land we live on, you know? And it, it definitely has an importance something I can see moving forward. Emerging voices in the fashion industry are important because they shape the future of what it's going to look like. But I want to get a perspective from an established designer whose work is truly authentic to her point of difference. One thing I always think about, I want to be a different. I mean, I don't think that I want to be a different, but I like, it's end up always like that. So if someone start making like really kimono and lots of, you know, those things, and I was like, oh yeah, I'll make something else then. I just like to be me, yeah. This is Yukon Ward. She lives in Wellington and runs a label called Otsu. In one of her earlier campaigns, the tagline reads, clothes for people looking for the start of the rainbow. I really like the way Yuka sees the world through a distinctly different lens. It's playfully quirky. You might find sleeves shaped like clouds, necklines that resemble lightning bolts and exaggerated angular pockets. To me, it's clothing for people who might be riding the rainbow rather than looking for it. So I have to ask... Did you always know that you wanted to be involved in fashion? Mm, no. <laughs> so where did it start? What's your first fashion memory? Well, of course, when a girl, you just pick whatever you want to wear and then crazy. I always go crazy and my mum stopped me to go on the outside because I dressed too crazy, apparently. Like, how old were you? I don't know, maybe seven, eight. And you're dressing crazy. What's crazy? Like, a lot of colours and uncoordinated <laughs> Yuka grew up in Osaka, and rather than studying fashion, she's actually a graduate from Kyoto College of Art. For Yuka, fabric is her canvas these days. But before she moved to New Zealand 13 years ago, she ran a label in Japan called... Shikimiki. It's a German name. When I was in Japan making label, everyone thought, like, my label was really European. Only something happened when she came to New Zealand and her work began to take shape in a way she never expected. But when I come here, I change the name just because it's different place and I'll make different things. And then people think that I'm really Japanese. That label is Otsu. It's her mother's maiden name. And there are components in her garments that I've never seen from other New Zealand designers. Yuka takes inspiration from Japanese patchwork. It's really simple. It's just uh, needlework. And then it's just beautiful, like simple line can make a really such a beautiful pattern. And What do they use that patchwork for in, in Japan? On days, they patch stuff, like a denim. They used to wear like a denim, like an indigo dyed cotton. Yeah, and then they just patch on top of it, just make stronger and wearable, more longer life.
So two actually patch holes as well? Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. But it looks beautiful. It's no, just beautiful. I mean, people don't really patch holes for the sake of holes, now, do, <laughs> no. they? do they? No, not like, not often as used to. Okay. I mean, it's the same as European country. They used to patch, you know, holes and stuff because, yeah, everything was so expensive and you had to look after it. Which takes me back to my dad teaching me how to mend some of his shirts. But does Yuka's label Otsu appeal to a Japanese market? It's a totally different market and different shapes and all girls are different looks and the skin tones are different. Just totally different though, what they like and what people like to hear. But staying true to a Japanese approach of one size fits all, as many New Zealand designers are doing now, it's also an approach that's applied to the construction of the traditional kimono. I think the Japanese kimono is how they make it. You don't waste their material as well. Size-wise, yeah, you can adjust sleeves and length so that you can just pass on to the, your child and grandchild. Yuka doesn't see herself as setting out to make clothing that speaks of her Japanese heritage. It just comes naturally, and even in the starting point of her process, she takes inspiration from words that come to her. It's sometimes Japanese word, and sometimes coming in English word, and then I'll Sometimes thinking about going in Japanese and then translate back to English again. It's just a funny process because, you know, I'm living here and I had to think about English too. So the word is a bit different, how I approach in Japanese and English. So, yeah, it's a different process, but it's quite good. I can see a different way. And being true to herself is what's important to Yuka as a designer. Her label Otsu is her way of speaking to the world. And like Chido, she also says access to textiles can make the process that much more challenging, but ultimately lends itself to unique expression. And you have to use more imagination, more technique and more, more you to express into your clothes rather than materials and other stuff, you know what I mean? It's a different approach. You had to think, you had to use your brain and the imagination more to be designer here. That was Yuka Maud, designer for Otsu. You also heard Chido de Mairo, Yoshino Maruyama and menswear designer Jacob Kuti. You've been listening to My Heels Are Killing Me, presented and produced by me, Sonia Sly, and engineered by William Saunders. We'd love for you to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher or the RNZ app. If you're looking for something new, you might like to try The Lost, a series about New Zealand's missing people. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.